Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you we thank God for all that he's doing in our lives um, day by day, week by week, and month by month. We believe that God is still in control over our lives, despite the challenges of our time, the difficulties in our world, God is still able to fulfill his plan and purposes in our lives and to grant us our heart desires. Amen. I want to continue my teaching on the message that I titled The Gospel. Everybody say The Gospel. So what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. Somebody said the gospel is the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. So the gospel is not good advice. Am I saying we shouldn't advise people? No, I'm not saying we should, not. We should continue to advise people. But if you want to see people's life transformed, good advice doesn't transform people. It is the gospel. If you see a drunkard and he says, stop drinking, if you don't stop drinking, you get diabetes and you die early. He will tell you, you, but he, he cannot stop because he doesn't have power to stop drinking. You see a criminal, it, he said, you know, if you don't stop this thing, one day you go to jail and then all your life will be messed up. That good advice cannot change a criminal. In fact, all criminals go to jail and come back and continue from where they stopped and continue with unfinished business in their lives. No prison can change a criminal. No good advice can change anybody. If somebody is, an, uh, is, 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 is a sinner, he's a sinner. And people sin because they are sinners. The only thing that can change people's lives is the gospel. And the interesting thing is that the only person who has the gospel is the Christian. The only person who has what can change the world, change the lives of people, is the Christian. Our key scripture is in Romans chapter 1 verse 16. It said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God. The gospel is so powerful that if only you can just deliver it and leave the person alone, the gospel alone is powerful enough to transform. You see, it is not you that change people. It's not how anointed you are that change people's lives. So when we talk about preaching the gospel, it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with the fact that the gospel itself is powerful enough. The gospel itself is powerful enough. So if you can just share it with an unbeliever, if you can just talk to that person and preach the gospel to them and lift them, the gospel is not forcing people. It's not threatening people. It's not compelling people. It is giving them the gospel and leaving the gospel to impact their life. He said it is the power of God to salvation. The power of God to salvation. To everyone. So criminals, prostitutes, unbelievers, idol worshippers, every person, even religious people, it is the power of God for, to salvation for everyone who believes. For the Jews first and also to the Greeks. Jesus said in Mark chapter 16 from verse 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. And last Sunday I was saying that every now and then you hear people who believe God has sent them to go and preach the gospel to sinners. Sometimes you hear them by the roadside when you are passing by. You see people fix speakers preaching. 
with a curtain box in front of them. Sometimes you see them in buses. And when you listen attentively to everything they're preaching, it's all criticizing churches, condemning people's bad behaviors. They condemn every sinner. They condemn drunkards. They condemn prostitutes. They condemn people who wear miniskirts. They condemn married men who are chasing girls. They condemn, they condemn, they condemn, they condemn, they condemn. And the reason why these people do this is because they don't know what the gospel is. Jesus said, go and preach the gospel. This scripture can only be well applied when we answer the critical question, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? What did Jesus really meant when he told the disciples, go and preach the gospel? And the gospel means good news. If you find the word that was translated from the Greek, because the New Testament was written in Greek language. So go into the, the Bible and find out the word that was translated gospel. The Greek word that was translated gospel is the word Evangelion. It means good news. All right. So today we want to look at what constitutes the gospel. What constitutes the gospel? When we say the gospel, it's a good news that can be presented in five steps. I want to teach that. And every good Christian must know how to present the gospel in five steps. Recently, I was chatting with uh, one of our senior pastors, and uh, they said, he asked a pastor a question. How do you preach the gospel? Okay, I'm a sinner. Preach to me. That was somebody's exams. Not every Christian can do this well, but this is our basic call. The gospel can be presented in five simple steps. I want to break it down for you. Five simple steps. The first one is God loves you and has a great plan for your life. Is that not a good news? If you meet a sinner who is a drunkard or an unbeliever, or another worshiper, or whatever person, and, and you start by telling him, God loves you, and he has a great plan for your life. Probably nobody ever told that person that before. Everybody told him, you are so bad. You are evil. You are a bad guy. You are the worst person in this family. You are, you are a disgrace in this family. The gospel starts with, God loves you and has a great plan for your life. Is it not in the Bible? Do you know what Jesus said in John 3.16? Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die for you. Then, if the person is an adult who has children, you ask him, will you ever give your child to die for somebody, especially a criminal? Definitely he will tell you no. Then say, as sinful as you are, God loved you so much. He gave his only son to die. So, step one, God loves you and has a great plan for your life. Step two, is sin interrupted God's relationship with man. That is why you cannot enjoy God's love. Because most likely, if you tell some, a sinner, God loves he's going to tell you, and I'm like this, if God loves me, why am I like this? Look at me. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. Life is difficult for me. I'm suffering. I'm struggling. So sin interrupted that relationship. Romans 3.23 said, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. So you tell him, you are not the only sinner. Everybody was born into sin. Tell him, you are not a sinner because you wear miniskirts. 
You're not a sinner because you are sleeping with people's husband. You're not a sinner because you drink so much alcohol into your system. That's not what makes you a sinner. What makes you a sinner? You were born into sin. So step two is what? Sin interrupted God's relationship with man. That is why a sinner cannot enjoy God's love. Right. Let's look at three. We are all sinners because we were born into sin, not because of our bad deeds. We are all sinners. Romans 5.12. Point three is what? You are not a sinner because of your evil deeds. You are a sinner because you were born into sin. Do you teach people to sin? Do you teach children to do bad things? How many of you taught your children how to lie? As they are growing, they learn lying skills. Sometimes they outwit you and you wonder, who taught her that? It's in our nature. It's in our nature to want to do bad things, to want to steal, to want to lie, to want to cheat, to want to do every bad thing. It's in our nature. And the scripture is Romans 5.12. He said, therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sin. Through one man. Who is that one man? Adam. The day Adam took that fruit and ate it, he fell into sin because of, number one, disobedience to God's instruction. Number two, doubt in God's integrity because God told Adam, the day you eat it, you will die. Satan told Adam, you will not surely die. So Adam was torn between believing what God said or believing what Satan said. And the surprising thing is that our father Adam decided to believe what Satan said. And the moment he believed what Satan said, he shifted ground from the place of authority to the place of bondage. Because the person you believe controls you. So Adam brought himself immediately under the control of Satan because he chose to believe Satan instead of believing in God's integrity. So nobody is a sinner because he's a bad person. When Jesus said we should go and preach the gospel, he's not even telling us to go and be talking about people's bad deeds. You know one of the reasons why people don't want to hear the gospel? They feel bad already. They feel condemned. And they know you are coming to add to the condemnation. So they are not even ready to listen. They feel condemned. They feel condemned. And we are not supposed to be going to condemn. The gospel is not going to condemn people. But to let them know the root cause of how he is, is Adam. He said, Pastor, why should Adam sin and then I be a sinner? Because he gave birth to you. He gave birth to somebody who gave birth to somebody who gave birth to somebody who gave birth to somebody until somebody gave birth to you. So we are all descendants of Adam. And that's why we are all sinners. So point four, Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins so that our relationship with God can be restored. Jesus died on the cross to pay for that sin Adam committed. That sin Adam committed. So the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. For the wages of sin is death. Death. So why did Jesus have to come and die? Because nobody's death could bring salvation. Because everybody on earth was a sinner. A sinner's blood cannot pay for another sinner. So God had to bring somebody who has a pure blood, who is not a sinner. 
God had to make a way for somebody to come. So Jesus came to die and shed his blood that his death will pay the price for the sin Adam committed, which made all of us sinners. And remember, Adam became a sinner because he doubted in God's integrity. He disbelieved. So the way out of sin is belief. You reverse the crime Adam committed. So when four is, Jesus died on the cross to do what? To pay for our sins so that our relationship with God can be restored. Restored. I want you to know that God loves you, but the only way the relationship between you and God can be restored is through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That is why the gospel is about Jesus. It's not about church. It's not about church. We are not trying to go take another person's church members and bring it to our church. We are trying to share the gospel to unbelievers. And the purpose is not necessarily to even bring them to our church. The purpose is so that they will be saved. Yeah, the purpose is so that they will be saved. Because one of the purposes of the church is to spread the gospel. Romans 5 verse 8. It said, God demonstrated his love towards us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died. God demonstrated his own love towards us. That when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. Tell somebody, Jesus died for you. He died for you because he loves you. Yeah, and when you meet a sinner, tell him the same. Jesus died for you to show you God's love for you. The last step is if you believe in Jesus Christ and receive him as your savior, your sins will be forgiven and you become a child of God. If you do it this way to any sinner, it's only a matter of time. This gospel is so powerful. It will change them. It will change them. And everybody here today, you must know how to present the gospel in these five basic steps. Can we try it without a screen? The first one is what? God loves you and has a great plan for your life. So the second one is all. Sin interrupted God's relationship with man. That is why you cannot enjoy the love of God. The third one is what? We are all sinners because we were born into sin, and not because of our bad deeds. The fourth, Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins so that our relationship with God can be restored. The last one, if you believe in Jesus and receive him as your savior, your sins will be forgiven and you become a child of God. John 1, 12, he said, but as many as received him, to them God gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. So you need to believe in that Jesus is the Savior, that he died for you, and receive him into your life. And you'll be saved from all your, all your sins, will be forgiven, and you become a child of God. Five steps to present the simple, true gospel. Somebody say the simple, true gospel. Yeah, because many people preach false gospels, or another gospel. I'll show you in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. He said, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ 
to a different gospel. Look at this. Apostle Paul was, was writing to the church in Galatia. He said, I marvel that you are turning away so soon. That's the frustration of a pastor. <laughs> the frustration of a pastor is how long will people be taught the right thing? Paul said, I marvel, like I, I wonder how. I've taught you and taught you and taught you. He said, you have turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. So please, there is the true gospel. Then there are others. We want to preach the true gospel. Look at verse 7. Which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to what? Pervert what? The gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ has been perverted by so many people who are zealous to preach, but did not take time first to find out what should I be preaching. It's not enough to be zealous to preach. What should I be preaching? So when you go out there and somebody asks you, before you preach, I want to ask one question. Tell him I didn't come to answer questions. I came to present to you the simple gospel. I want to ask a question. Speaking in tongues, is it good or bad? We'll discuss that another time. But I want to preach to you the gospel. I'm a Catholic. Is my church good or bad? I didn't come to talk about church. I came to preach to you the gospel. Should we go to church Sunday or Saturday? That's not what I came to talk to you about. I came to talk to you about what? The gospel. Should we count rosary when we are praying or we should not count? That's not what I came to talk about. Don't open up for any arguments. Just deliver the gospel. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And the gospel is what? The good news of salvation through Jesus. Not through a church or not through a religion. Oh, I have a question. Which religion is the best in the world? Tell him that's not what I came here. Oh, me, I'm a Muslim. I know that Muslim, if I'm a Muslim, I'll still go to heaven. He said, please, I didn't come to talk about religion. I came to talk about Jesus. You can remain a Muslim. All I want you to do is give your life to Jesus. Yes, give your life to Jesus. And when you give your life to Jesus, it's up to you to decide whether to remain somewhere or live somewhere. So let's look at five um, different ways to preach the gospel. Five different ways to preach the gospel. Five different ways to preach the gospel. Number one, your lifestyle as a witness. Your lifestyle. The number one way to preach the gospel is let your life do the preaching. I'm sad to say, if your life is contrary to what you are preaching, nobody's going to hear it. Nobody's going to hear it. Your lifestyle. In Matthew 5.14, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Light. The world is in darkness. You are the light. A city that is set on a hill which cannot be hidden. You see, you can never hide. People watch you Sunday morning when you are coming to church. They watch you Monday to Saturday when you are out of church. In your house where you live, in the community where you live, at your workplace, your family members, you are the, everybody is watching you. Verse 15, it says, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light so shine so that they will do what? 
see your good works. They will see your good works. Your lifestyle is the number one witness to the gospel. And tell you what, there are people who can turn to the Lord just by watch, watching you. Watching you. There are many people who can change because they watch. There are many people who can come to you and say, I want to follow you to church next Sunday. Because of your example. There are also people who vow, I will never go to church because of your example. And anytime people turn to the Lord because of your lifestyle, God blesses you. Anytime people hate Jesus because of you, God reduce your blessings. God withdraw his favor from you. The Bible says, woe be to anyone who become a stumbling block to the salvation. So it's woe. The word woe means curse, actually. So when you make it difficult for people to turn to the Lord, you become a person who cannot experience favor. Your lifestyle. So let's start with your home. Last time I was teaching at a leadership seminar, I said, I mean, somebody decided not to become a Christian because of the parents. What example are you leaving your children to turn to the Lord? What kind of example are you leaving your children? Because your children stay with you at home and they watch you. And you do many things the Bible said you should not do. And they watch you. They watch your ungodly living. And they watch how you spiritualize yourself when you are in church. And how you talk a lot of fantastic jargons. How you are always in the spirits. Always in the spirits. But you are so nasty and ungodly and cynical. Yeah. You are so ungodly. Sometimes Christians can be so wicked. The kind of things you see Christians do. And he's watching you. I heard a story of a man who felt the father is so old was bothering him. So he decided to take his father to old people's homes. Unfortunately for him, his son was also in the car. And you know how grandsons love grandpas. So they got to the place and the old man was begging his son, don't leave me here, don't leave me here. And he went and paid, left his father in the old people's home. And then he drove back with his son, young boy, in the car. As they were going, the boy was very quiet. Never talked, they all the land. When they were close home, his father asked, why are you so quiet? And the boy opened his mouth and said, today I have seen where to bring you when you become old. <laughs> I have seen where to bring you when you are old. <laughs> the father did a U-turn. <laughs> Quick U-turn. Straight back to the place. Where to carry his father. <laughs> to keep home. Yeah. So our lifestyle. At our workplaces. Are you the example of Jesus? Or every bad thing that happens at the workplace, you are the number one to be mentioned. You sabotage people. You conspire. Again, every conspiracy in the office, you are the number one. You are the ringleader. Create problems. You, you fight everybody. Everybody in the office, you have fought with them. You have. And then the next minute, you want to preach the gospel? You fight people. Some of us in our family, we don't talk to anybody in our family. Every family member, we have an issue with the person. How can your family members want to turn to the Lord when your lifestyle is like this? Family members think Christians are hypocrites. There are many people today, when you meet them, they will tell you, all oh, these Christian people, they are hypocrites. And it's because of one person's behavior. Who is that one person who caused it? God will never be happy with such people. At your workplace, in your family, it's everywhere we are supposed to be the example of good behavior, of love, of kindness. And, you know, our life must speak to death. I'm not saying you should be perfect. 
but you should be human. You should be human. I mean, there are things that you cannot be a Christian and be doing. When you do it, you are testifying by your life in a negative way to the gospel. You are making the gospel difficult for people to believe. So your lifestyle as a witness. Number two, invitation. Invitation simply means you talk to somebody. There's this program in my church. I thought I should invite you to come. Does that also help people? Yes, some people will not change through your preaching, but they will change when they get to church. The atmosphere in the church, the teaching in the church, everything contributes to making the person say, oh, I didn't know this is rather how it is like. I want to turn my life over to the Lord. In the book of John chapter 1, we'll see an interesting story in verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we have found the Messiah. So this Andrew was the first to meet Jesus. Not first as in the first, but in his family. He was the first to meet Jesus. And Andrew went and called his brother. Who was his brother? Peter. So listen, Peter came to know Jesus through Andrew. And the interesting thing is, Peter became a man of a higher spiritual authority than Andrew. You know, like I was saying last Sunday, that most of the people played a key role in me getting to know Jesus. Most of them are still not pastors. People will come, but I am a pastor. So it's possible that through you, people will come to know the Lord and be used by God. Andrew told Peter, we have found the Messiah. The word Messiah means the anointed one, which is translated the Christ. The word Messiah and Christ, they mean the same thing. Messiah is the Hebrew. Christ is the Greek. Please, do you follow? Messiah is the Hebrew word for the anointed one. Christ is the Greek word for the anointed. They all mean the same thing. We have found the Messiah. And he brought him to Jesus. Andrew did not pray to his brother. He brought him to Jesus. So you can bring people to Jesus by bringing them to church. Now when Jesus looked at Peter, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone or a rock. Amen. So the very first Jesus met Peter, he added another name to him. It means a rock. He brought him to Jesus. That is why in this church, we always encourage people, invite your friends, invite your loved ones to church. It helps. Now, I became born again, not through preaching. I had a lot of preaching, but I never asked any of those guys who preached to me, lead me to the Lord, because uh, I didn't understand a lot of the things they were preaching. I did not understand. I hear, 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 hear. Continue with my bad ways. Sometimes you tell people, stop drinking. You know, when I was young, we used to ask a question, if I don't drink alcohol, should I drink oil? Some of us came to know the Lord by invitation to church. My sister invited me to church, and I just went. But the good thing is that that, that day I landed in church. They started following me up. They started following me up. The pastor, you know, led me to Christ and handed me over to some people. That's what we do in this church. We follow people up. We call people. People who come to church for the first time, we, we call them, we follow them up, we try to get as many of them who are not staying too far away to continue to come to church, to know Jesus personally and, and everything. Invitation is part of our work of evangelism. 
And anytime you invite somebody to church and the person becomes born again, you are not doing the church a favor. You are helping to bring salvation to people's souls. You are helping to bring salvation to people's lives. God will be happy with you. The person will never cease to be grateful to God for your life. The person. Don't you think the people who played their key role in my getting born again, don't you think God will bless them because of me alone? Do you know the number of people who have turned to the Lord through my ministry and still turning to the Lord every week? Today, I've started so many churches. I brought up so many pastors. I'm still training pastors. I'm doing other calls on radio every week. We are reaching out to people through social media every week. What we are preaching now is being watched live. One man, if we can all, in your lifetime, somebody like me should be born again through you. Through you. Last, I was with a, a pastor whom I led to Christ. Jessica, he's now a pastor. Doing very well. I, mean, I led him to Christ, baptized him in water, brought him up. He's now a pastor, also winning people to the Lord. Hello? Yeah. So it must be your desire that through, it's not, through you, people will not be leaving the Lord, but they should be coming to the Lord. It's not an achievement that through you, people walked away from Christ. It's a curse. And in my lifetime, I've watched such people all the time in church. They will do everything to make people backslide. And you look at their lives, nothing is happening. Nothing is working. No progress. But God wants you to make progress. Say amen to that. God wants your life to increase, to see more blessings and blessings. And one of the keys to unusual favor and great blessings, that's what I'm sharing with you today. Your family members, invite them to church. Your friends, some of you, you have been friends with people for so long. Never talked to them about Jesus before. Never invited them to church before. All right. The third is, um, the first is what? Your lifestyle as a witness. So from today, I want you to know your life is a gospel that is preaching. Your life is a gospel. Number two, invitation. Number three is testimonies. Testimonies simply means the things God has done in your life and the things God has done in other people's lives. Yeah. Testimonies are powerful. Testimonies can really, really, really change people's lives. Even up to now, when you go to Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship, all they do is testimonies. Somebody comes and said, you know, somebody came to do a video coverage of my, my life testimony, how I became born again. You can't hear that thing and not change. I take my time to give you details, some of the things that, some incredible things that happened in my life. Starting with how I was born. I believe my birth alone was enough announcement to the family that this guy is different. And then things that happened <laughs> one by one. Even when I was an unbeliever, I look back at my life, you can tell that God had a hand on me. That this guy, there's an assignment on it. I would have died long time. I would have been destroyed long time. Because I, I, I had the opportunity to be destroyed. Only that God preserved me. You see, it will help people. Hasn't God done anything in your life before? Talk to me. Has God ever done anything good for you? So tell, talk, talk about that one. Tell your friends what Jesus has done here. Let, let's read that scripture in Mark chapter 5. Very powerful. Very, very, very powerful. Mark chapter 5. Let's read from verse 16. And those who saw it told them how it had happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. Verse 18. And when he got into the boats, 
He who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. Now, this story is about a very popular man. I've preached about him several times. A certain man who was demon-possessed lived in, in a cemetery. Nobody can bind. They bind him with chains. He will break the chains. No, I mean, and Jesus cast out all the... In fact, the man who had the 6,000 demons in his body. Do you remember? The man that the demons spoke in him and said... Our name is Legion. This is the guy. This is the guy. Let's see what happened. After Jesus delivered him, he begged Jesus that he will follow him. I mean, what else will you do if 6,000 demons left you through one man who said, out? You follow him the rest of your life, isn't it? However, Jesus did not permit him to follow him, but said to him, go home to where? Your friends. And... Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Go and tell your friends what the Lord has done for you. You know that Jesus was saying, you are now your own evangelist. You are now an evangelist. Go and tell them to look at you. and Tell them who you used to be and how come you are now what you are. Tell the people. Verse 20. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus has done for him and all who heard it marvel. Do you know what Jesus was doing? The natives of the village were so frightened by the miracle. They said Jesus should leave. You know sometimes when you haven't seen something things before, you wonder whether it's of God or from the devil. So they didn't want to make mistakes. They said Jesus should leave. And Jesus said, I'll leave, but I have an evangelist here who do the work for me. When Jesus was leaving, the guy said, Jesus, then I'll follow you. Jesus said, no, you stay. You stay. And tell your friends. This guy didn't only go to tell his friends the testimony. He went from city to city. The word Decapolis means 10 cities. And if you go around the Sea of Galilee, you will see there are many, many scattered villages all around. He went from city to city town to town, sharing his testimony. Listen, if God favor you and bless you and things become better for you and your life becomes an example of success, one mistake you should never make, never take the credit for what God has done in your life. The day you begin to take the credit and begin to brag about your achievements, that's the day you stop making progress. The day you become ashamed to let people know you are not as smart as people think. Many times people don't know how frightened I, I am when I pray for miracles. Yeah. December, I was in Prophet Samuel Church. There's a young man who was totally deaf in the right ear. And sometimes when the Lord gave me word of knowledge, I wish nobody would come out. Because it's tough. When somebody stands in front... Who can hear at on your right ear? Somebody raise your hand. Is running all the way to the front. What if you prayed and nothing happened? Sometimes people rate you much more than who you really are. And you must be sincere enough, humble enough to let people know you've not come this far because you are that smart. That it is Jesus. You see, there's a difference between testimony and boasting. Boasting is when 
you begin to behave like you have arrived, and you begin to tell people what you have achieved. And the truth is, without Jesus, you are nothing. You, you are nothing. It's only pride that will make you know I said what I'm saying. You are nothing. One of the things that shocked me about my life is how I am now. Truth is, I never thought I would be like this. I, I, it's a miracle. Sometimes I sit down, I look at myself, I say, am I dreaming or what? Testimony is when you step out of the scene and let Jesus be seen. Let Jesus be known. Especially if you struggle a lot by yourself to do it, it didn't work. Then later God came and make it work. Don't go and let the people know you did it. You know it's not you who did it. You know how you struggled to make it work, it didn't work. Yes! It's him all the time. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. For what you are, who you are, how far you have come, what you have achieved, tell people what the Lord said. Go to your friends and tell them what I have done for you. It changes people's lives. It changes people's lives. Testimonies. I want you from today. No matter, especially those of you who get some special awards once a while, or you, you know, you get some favors, God lifts you somewhere, and you know, you stand at a very prominent place. You are more at risk to losing his favor if you stand there and you cannot talk. You cannot give glory to Jesus. You cannot give glory to Jesus. You are ashamed to let the world know. All glory to Jesus for bringing me this far. I thank the Lord for all he has done in my life. Without him, I couldn't have come this far. I mean, what, what is bad about saying such a simple thing? Then you go there and start speaking. You know, um, it wasn't an easy road. But, you know, you have to be tough. You have to be strong. You have to be smart. You have to be then. <laughs> you have become a lecturer suddenly. And God is looking at you and saying, Really? <laughs> really? You forgot how many times you were so scared things were not going to work out well. You forgot how many times you, you, you were literally begging God, God, don't disgrace me. God, if you don't come true, now you have come true. You are talking about, you know, you have to be tough. And that's the beginning of your falling. When pride comes, then comes shame. When pride comes, then comes shame. When somebody becomes overtaken with pride, don't worry. Do not be long. Number four is casual conversations. Casual conversation means you didn't go out on an evangelism program, but people meet you every day. And when people meet you, God gives you opportunity to preach for them, but you don't even notice it. So at work, in the trotro, at the, at, at the shop, every time people are meeting you, and anytime people meet you and start complaining, it's an opportunity God is giving you. Talk to them about Jesus. Jesus met a woman by the world, John 4, verse 7. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Give me, in other words, give me water. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink of me from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. The woman became suspicious, or oh, this guy is checking me out. Then Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says you give me a drink, 
you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So Jesus wanted this woman to be saved, but he had to navigate this woman through many, many. And, you know, you can talk to people about Jesus through normal conversations. Everything happening in our world is an opportunity for you to talk about Jesus. I mean, today people are complaining about fuel prices, price of items are going up, you know, inflation is just, you know, galloping. Everything is, there's, there's, there's hardship in the system. People come to you and complain. Your customers come and they are complaining. You tell them, yes, things are bad, but you know, with Jesus, there's always a way out. Then you start. With Jesus, there's a way out. Then you talk to him a little. Yeah. I mean, every day, God gives us opportunity. We meet people all the time. They raise issues that we can talk to, to them about Jesus, but we don't want to do it. Because we think that people can be saved despite our efforts. There is why some people never care about souls. That, well, even if I don't do it, somebody else will do it. Why don't you become that somebody else? And most of the time, the people who are that somebody that are doing the talking about Jesus, they experience more favor and more blessings from God. Last Sunday, I was saying at the second service, the men of God who talk about Jesus more, they see more miracles. Oh, yeah. They see more miracles. The men of God who talk about themselves more, they don't last on the scene. They show up a little and disappear because Jesus will never keep you there as long as you refuse to talk about him. Yeah. So the more you talk about Jesus to people, the more he blesses you because he wants you to have more testimony to share, to bring salvation to people. Every year, somebody must know the Lord through you. Every year. Even if it's one, it's good. If it's five, the better. That is how your life becomes beneficial to the kingdom. Why should God continue to bless you? When his greatest concern is unsaved souls. Last Sunday, I, I tell it. God's greatest concern is unsaved souls. God is concerned about all of us. But he's more concerned about those who are still lost, still suffering, still in bondage, and you meet many of them every week, and you don't even care about the people that are God's greatest concern. So number four is what? Indirect conversation. Now, the last one is direct witnessing. Direct witnessing is in plan. Today, I'm going out. Anybody I meet, I'm going to give him the gospel. Let's read Mark 16, verse 20. And they went out and preached everywhere. They went out and preached at where? Everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So anytime people preach the gospel, God goes out to work. Yes, that's why more miracles happen in crusades than any other Christian gathering. Why? Because at the crusades, they are talking about Jesus. They are preaching the gospel. They went out and preached everywhere. And I came to tell somebody this morning, there is somebody out there waiting for you to preach to him or her. And how do you do that? Present the gospel. How do you present the gospel? Five simple steps to presenting the gospel. Step number one is what? God loves you and has a great plan for your life. Step number two, sin interrupted God's relationship with man, that is why you cannot enjoy God's love. Number three. Okay, we are all sinners, not because of our bad deeds, 
But because we're born into sin. Number four. To pay the price for our sins. Jesus died to pay the price for our sins. So that our relationship with God can be restored. Number five. If you believe in Jesus Christ and receive him as your savior, your sins will be forgiven and you become a child of God. Put your hands together for the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and then preach to him. I want, to, I, want, I want us to do it. I want to do practical demonstration. Okay, so let's do step number one. Turn, turn, to, turn to the person. Turn to the person. Number one is what? God loves you and has a great plan for your life. Number two, sin has sin has done what? Interrupted God's relationship with man and made it impossible for you to enjoy God's love. Number three, we are all sinners because we are born into sin, not because of our bad deeds. Number four. The last one. If you believe in Jesus and receive him as Savior. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We pray for the grace and the wisdom to preach the gospel, to bring salvation to the lost. We pray make us an instrument of salvation to every lost soul that you bring our way. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.